The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. A lot of times people out here in the land of God, guns, grits, and gravy say, I'm all alone. Nobody believes like me. The world's against me. Nobody still believes in marriage anymore. Nobody still believes in life anymore. On that day, they looked around and they said, I am not alone. Next on Life Today, Governor Mike Huckabee encourages the small town working folk who believe in moral absolutes to stand together against today's popular culture. and Betty and I are thrilled to have Governor Mike Huckabee back with us. He's got a book called God, Guns, Grits, and Gravy. My goodness. Uh, sounds just like what all the upper end uh, elites want to hear. <laughs> yes, sir. Written for liberals. Uh, right there. <laughs> Left-wingers all the way. Would you welcome Mike Huckabee to life today? Is it all right if I just call you Mike? I don't have to call sure. you Governor. You can call me anything you want to. Call me James, all right? <laughs> I closed out the other day when you were with us. And you can go back and watch it live today. You know, it's in the uh, archives. Watch uh, the program Tuesday. And I said, would you come back and we'll talk later in the week. And, you know, people want to know, have you given any thought to running for president? Well, I've done it before and uh, didn't work out <laughs> quite as well as I had hoped. Uh, no, but I'm seriously looking at it again. Well, really, nobody knew you. No, they I didn't. Mean, those of us that knew you, we, we really were behind you, and you know that. And we did our best to encourage right. you, pray with you, pray for you. And, and you know, with no support financially, right. you stayed in there till the very last. We really had a dime to the dollar of the uh, other people that were in the race and got further than anybody but John McCain in the Republican primary. So I am looking at it again, and, and it's not just because I have some nutty ambition to say, wouldn't I like to uh, be president? But I really think, James, our country is in real trouble, and yes, a lot it of it is. is because we've, we've just divorced ourselves from common sense. We've divorced ourselves from an understanding that we cannot survive as a republic if we do not become, once again, a God-centered nation that understands that our laws do not come from man. They come from God. It's the natural law of God. Our founders really understood that and believed it. Now, I'm not saying that a person should run and say, let's have a theocracy, because I don't think we should. It's ridiculous. No, it, it's, it's, it, that's not what even we, our we founders We have a want. theocracy right now. It's a secular theocracy. That's it. It's a humanistic, secular, Absolutely. atheistic, Forced even anta antagonistic toward Christian faith. Yep. And that's what we need to understand. Our basic fundamental rights are being robbed from us, taken from us, piece by piece. And we simply need to come back to the place where we recognize that all of the Bill of Rights, every one of them, were designed to tell the government what the government couldn't do. It was to protect citizens, not to protect the government. Today, people talk about the Bill of Rights as if the government is supposed to shut us up, tell us not to worship, don't pray, don't have certain beliefs. You're going to be punished for your beliefs. You can believe up to a point, but if your belief gets where the government doesn't want it to go, the government wins. And the First Amendment says, no, the people win. The government loses. It's a people-first country, not a government-first country. And we've got to get back to that. So 
if I if I were to do it, that's what would be motivating me, and the fact that I've got four grandkids now that I really truly worry about in terms of their future. But Mike, if we don't take responsibility first as Christians, I feel like we have that responsibility to stand up finally, and they'll say, well, my one vote won't matter. Yes, it does. It does. 537 votes in the year 2000 in Florida, 537 votes in one state decided the presidency. Sometimes we, we tend to forget that one vote uh, can make a difference, but here's the tragedy. There are 80 million self-identified evangelicals in America. Only half of those are registered to vote. Of those, only half vote in a presidential election, and of those, only half vote in an off-year election. And we wonder why we're seeing judicial supremacy arguments that put same-sex marriage in states where the people voted against it. We wonder why it is that, that the culture has made this massive shift. If, if our leaders become the cheerleaders and advocates for that which we say is not biblical, well, it's because they got voted in and we didn't. It's because their people went and voted, ours didn't. Their people contributed to candidates, ours didn't. This is, folks, a simple matter of math. 50 plus 1 wins. <laughs> I say, tell people politics is not complicated. If you can you know, get to 50% plus 1, you win. And if you don't, you lose. It's pretty simple. Yeah, but the problem is we can't get the people who, who really say we believe there are absolutes, there are sound principles, there is a reliable standard of measure, and uh, we have that uh, standard to live by. If those people do not even participate in the process of selection, mm -hmm. then the people that do not believe we have a reliable standard, or they don't like, say, a biblical or founder standard or constitutional principle, then they're the ones that are going to elect the people to represent what they don't believe as well as what they do believe. And I am finding too many caring people who do care about their family, do care about what's right, they've just opted out of the political process. And they've said it's dirty business, and it's gotten to be a real dirty business because the better people have opted out. Is this one of the reasons you wrote this book, is to try to get average Americans who believe in work, personal responsibility, believe in the free market opportunities, still believe our founders had some sense, and the Constitution is a greatest document ever written outside the Bible, you believe those people are going to have to wake up and get involved or we're never going to correct our course? That's exactly what happened. One of the stories, I opened with the story of Chick-fil-A Day back August the 1st of 2012. It was a simple thing. Go buy a chicken sandwich, not to be a protest of anything. We're and not you, you angry. You really started that. Mm -hmm. I, you, you I watched it on my television America show. to right. do something for a fine businessman Just to stand with who it. loved God and loved the people who worked for him. And he was getting hammered not just by a handful of activists. There were mayors in major cities in Boston and Chicago who said, we don't want that company to open a store. Now think about this. A mayor of a city not wanting a free enterprise opportunity that creates jobs and brings a business to his town, not because the product they sold had something wrong with it, because the person who ran the company had a personal belief that he didn't agree with. I thought, this is not North Korea. This is not Iran. This is America. It's okay that you have different beliefs and attitudes. Sure. You don't put people out of business. James, we're going to lose the country morally, but we're going to lose it economically if we start putting people out of business because they're Christians. If we say, if you believe in God and believe in the Bible, well, we don't want your kind around here. Remember when Governor Cuomo 
In New York, the governor of the state made the comment. He said, these people who like guns, these people who like, uh, who, who are against abortion, who are against uh, same-sex marriage, these are not our kind of people. We don't want them here. Mm. A governor of a state yeah, made that statement on radio. And you I'm believe thinking, in marriage and family and personal responsibility and the right to protect the family you love. A junkyard dog protects yeah, its family. Exactly. Why in the world would he say something like that? I mean, it's like they, they, it, it's insanity ruling. And that's why we have to get back to calling people take a stand. Well, you did it. That, and well, they stood. And they did stand. They did stand. It was amazing because millions of people were in lines all over the place to get a chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'd never had one before <laughs> right. they got a chicken sandwich. You know what that did, though, for people? They looked around, and, and a lot of times people out here in the land of God, guns, grits, and gravy say, I'm all alone. Nobody believes like me. The world's against me. Nobody still believes in marriage anymore. Nobody still believes in life anymore. On that day, they looked around and they said, I am not alone. Americans who believe in old-fashioned godly values, who still love this country for all that it was created to be, need to look around and say, I'm not alone. And the best way we can do that is to show up at the polls, to stand up and speak up, not with anger, not with hostility. And one reason that Chick-fil-A day really worked is because we didn't ask people to honk their horn and yell and scream and carry signs and, and be angry at anybody. We said just lovingly, Support. go buy a sandwich and, and just, just eat the sandwich and say, and I saw, I'm for free speech. I saw speech. some of those lines on the news, and those people didn't look angry. They, no. they were happy. They were supporting they something were, right. They yeah. were supportive yeah. of what's best, and that's really what makes America great. And I, I just think it's time for people to wake up. I believe you've been doing your best to wake them up. And then you know this. I've started building bridges and relationships above those barriers and walls mm -hmm. that we put up. We may have some serious differences. That's okay. We got some serious things we agree on like marriage and family. I've started meeting with Catholics. You know, I had a meeting with the Pope. Now, that yep. raised some people's fur, but I, he actually gave me a high five. I gave him a high five <laughs> because both of us said people in the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church don't know Christ. They need to have a personal encounter with Christ. Would you agree that's true? Absolutely, it's true. There's a chapter I call Grenades in the Tent. The worst thing you can do if you're in the military is pull the pin on your grenade when you're in your own tent. <laughs> and we've Sounds got a lot like church to me. Well, and that's my point. <laughs> we have people not only in churches, we have them in political parties. There's, we're so busy fighting each other that we're not that much different. No. That we're failing to understand mm -hmm. the real contrast is with people that are outside the tent. The battle is not inside our own tent. But we've we've come to a place, look at this culturally. I can remember when Baptist and Methodist and Church of Christ and Catholics used to fight over things like how do you baptize somebody? How long, you know, is, is your service going to be? And is it going to be, you know, three hymns and an offering? And I mean, really insignificant stuff. Guess what? Now that we're all under persecution and now we're all under the pressure yep. of just trying to survive and, and maintain a godly faith, isn't it amazing how the little things have become less important to us? Now, the church is, I believe, under persecution to bring us back to the main thing, mm -hmm. to once again help us focus on Jesus, focus on godly values, focus on the fundamentals of Scripture, and not the, the, the worship styles and things that are not as important. I love to say it this way. Some people eat their soup louder than others. It doesn't mean the soup tastes any better. <laughs> and that's what we need to understand about how we worship. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I listen to you on Fox. 
and I listened to Father Jonathan Morris mm -hmm. on Fox. And by the way, he came here and said, I didn't need to call him Father. <laughs> Just call him Jonathan Morris. So this priest, and you basically you're saying the same thing. And you know what I found out when I talked to both of you? You believe there's Father God. Yeah. You believe he's a creator and he did well. Mm -hmm. You believe he gave his son Jesus to die and he's the only way of salvation. And you believe everyone who's born from above is in his church and we're family, no matter what the pedigree or what the label. And y'all are saying great things. Do you believe that I'm right to reach out and say to others who believe marriage is important, who believe their basic moral standards, the Ten Commandments still matter, who do believe that we should be salt and light, do you believe I'm right to reach out across the line? Absolutely, me? James, you are. And I salute you for it. And you were one of the first evangelical leaders that began to call us out to uh, once again recognize that we, we come together uh, around Jesus. We don't need to come apart over the things that aren't central. And I, I'm so grateful for that. Do you think if those two faith groups would come together to stand for the moral and biblical principles we know are important and the freedoms that are important, do you believe we could rapidly correct this nation's course if they would just, so to speak, come out from undercover, come out from under the closet, get out of the church houses, get Jesus out of the house, get his witness out? Do you believe if they would come together, we could correct our course? Absolutely, because culturally, we still share those same basic biblical values. Uh, again, the, the, the liturgies of our church are not as important as the big issues of do we believe in a culture that is God-centered, that believes that the Bible is our standard, not our own man-made laws, because we have to have a standard. As a musician, I know that if you have five musicians playing on the stage and they're all playing in a different key and none of their instruments are tuned, it's going to be the worst, most horrible noise. Sounds like Congress. Is, is, is what it's like. So you have to tune to a standard, the musical scale, and then you play according to a musical scale. If you don't play to the standard, you have noise. When you play to the standard, you have beautiful, wonderful music. Absolutely. When we don't play to the standard of God's law, we have noise in our culture. What do we have in our culture? We've got noise because we don't have a standard. That's exactly why we have to come together on those issues. Well, you know, God created us all and we're all different. We shouldn't have to give up our differences, our different gifts, to be able to come together as one and, and to unite together. Well, and, and equality, Betty, doesn't mean sameness. That's uh, the beauty of it. Right. Equality means we're equal in worth and value, but we're certainly not the same. I mean, I learned as a kid I was never going to quarterback the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm beginning to think nobody else is either. But <laughs> We don't even remember what a Super Bowl yeah. is. <laughs> but, but the point is... I had to realize God didn't make me for that purpose. He made me for another purpose. That doesn't mean that I'm less than the quarterback of the Cowboys. It means that my purpose is unique to me, and it's equal in value to God in terms of his economy. So I don't have to worry about I'm not as, I'm not as good as somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm not as equal. Yes, I am, mm -hmm. but I have a different function and a different role. You know, the one thing that I've seen, and by the way, I can still go back and remember how our governor here complimented you to me when we were dealing with Katrina and all mm. the Katrina victims were coming here and Governor Perry said to me privately, he said, you want to know who's really helping more people? He said, that governor up there in Arkansas, mm. they're putting these people in these uh, schools and everything. he's Church finding camps. places for them. And, and, and that is, that's the way we're supposed to work. You know what I've discovered? When you recognize that you've got a legitimate catastrophic situation, people find the common ground. Yeah. They say, do you care? Can you help? Will you help? 
what will you do? And we begin to work together. We do not discuss where we went to church. Yeah. We don't discuss our posture when we pray. We don't even talk about the languages that we necessarily speak. We talk about, do you care enough to be involved? I think we've got a tsunami catastrophic economic collapse coming. Yeah. I think we've got everything in motion for the most catastrophic events in American history. And we set the stage for it by rotten policy, poor leadership, incompetent leadership, ungodly, non-God worldview leadership. And I think if we need something to show us common reason to get together, we've got the catastrophic situation. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think there's a, a great saying that I learned in church, but it's applicable to politics. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking to know, is there any authenticity out there? Does anybody really care about those people who when they squeeze the pump, uh, the, the nozzle on the gas pump, and they can only get to $5 because that's all they can afford. Do you know people like that? Do yes. you care about people yes, like that? Absolutely. Do you're going to reach out to people yes. like that? Is your economy going to be built so that you're not punishing people for being successful, but you're not ignoring the people who are struggling? That's why America is a great country, because we've understood that every person has worth and value, and we want to lift people up, but not artificially through some government giveaway, but by empowering them to stand on their own feet and be independent. This is what made America great and what it could make it great again. And we've got to limit the excessive power and the excess of the federal government. You like this man. Do you agree that we've got to literally come together on common ground to address effectively our legitimate concerns. This book, God, Guns, Grits, and Gravy, I would suggest you get it. Matter of fact, we'll send it to you if you'd like to have it. If you'll just help us, help us give fresh water to those who do not have it. Now, you didn't answer the question, <laughs> are you running for president? But you are going to pray about it, and you would like people to pray about it, and you would like for whoever runs and whoever is our president to keep God in the center of their focal point. You agree with that? Absolutely, I do. And, and whether it's me or someone else, and, and I do ask people to pray. Because for me, James, this is not just a political or financial decision. It is a spiritual decision. Uh, you know, the only thing worse than not being elected president would be to be elected president without God's blessing. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a worse mm -hmm. place in the world to be than in the Oval Office without God's hand upon you. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd rather not get near the place. Yeah. But if, if that's a purpose, then so be it, and that's my prayer. Will you pray for him and just say thank you for saying things that we need to hear? I thank you for being a statesman. I thank you for leading and for all you share. And the book is in the bookstores. Uh, I want to show you someone who's doing exactly what we need to do to meet a need. You're going to see one of the most beautiful examples of what it takes to deal with a crisis that you will ever see and then you're going to be able to be a part of a miracle, and you're going to want to be. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if I'm going to Here in Madagascar, life is hard under even the best of circumstances. But for some, it's brutal. For two years, France has tried to care and provide for his sister the best he could. Same water that robbed them of a mother now threatens her life too. 
and his. Despite the cruelty of all he has endured, this remarkable young man has grown a heart of compassion for the suffering. He saw his mother's pain and struggle after she was left to raise a family alone. He remembers her tears. Think about it. In a place of extreme need, under circumstances that would leave most people crushed, bitter, and broken, France counts as blessings thinks of others and gives generously in the midst of his need. Simple acts of generosity. Yours today could save a life like that of France or the little sister he cares for. You see, clean water is life to them and a hope for a better future. All of you thank God for the example of that young man that you've just seen in one of the poorest nations in the world, Madagascar. There is a young man, actually, Governor Huckabee, he's doing exactly what we were talking about. Mm. He is loving others as he loves himself. He cares about himself. He's trying to take care of himself. He's making a little bit of money, but he was spending his time helping others. Isn't that what we can find great joy doing? Jesus said, if you give a cup of water in my name, you won't lose your reward. I really believe what Jesus is saying, Betty, is if you understand the power of generosity and love expressed, you can't possibly lose. You see, because when you serve and you bless, that in itself is blessing. It's unspeakable blessing. Betty and I have never in our lives, never in over 50 years that we've been married, we have never given a gift thinking the person we gave it to might do something for us. We've always given it to bless. We, we've never actually made a gift thinking what would come back to us, knowing that when you sow, you do reap. But we found such joy in giving to bless. That was all the reward we needed. And the focus was there, and it still is. And we have found that you, the viewer, have found indescribable joy doing exactly what that young man was doing. We can do something to help others. Let me tell you what we can do. He's trying to get some water when they deliver some. We can drill a well right in their midst. We can give them fresh, clean water and eradicate so many of the diseases. Would you right now reach out and touch someone with love? Would you go to the phone, dial the number? It's always there as a prayer number if you need someone to pray with you, and it's paid for by love. Would you dial the number today and say, I want to help drill a water well in that village? Our goal is to drill 500 this year. We have drilled 4,000. I say we, that's all of us together. Betty and I enjoy giving to every water well emphasis. Can you drill a well? Do you have a $4,800 gift or would you make one? Would you make a part of that gift amount, 1,200, and pray, Lord, raise up three more? 
Could you give $2,400 and pray it'll be matched by someone else? Please keep this in mind because this is where most of the support comes. A gift of $48 gives 10 people water the rest of their life. $144 as an example, 30 people water for the rest of their life. There is a level at which all of us can participate. We have some gifts to share with you that I know you're going to appreciate. Our viewers have asked, would you please give us those Water for Life coffee cups again? I'm telling you, once you drink coffee out of it, you'll want to take it wherever you get coffee and you'll want your friends to have them. And you know what? It brings up the conversation about blessing others with a cup of water. We're going to send them to you to say thank you and we've got the beautiful Kincaid painting. It is a canvas. It is framed just like you see it and you will cherish it. We want to send it to you if you'll make a gift toward a well of $1,200 or more. If possible, I hope you'll give a well. Please dial the number, use your bank card like a check, or go lifetoday.org and make the gift right there. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for sharing the love of God in a very meaningful way. Every day, millions of children are forced to make a dreadful choice, drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease, or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most exciting and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, we can establish and drill 500 water wells for remote villages in over 12 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 people. $72 will impact 15 people. And $144 will help provide fresh, clean, disease-free water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, you'll receive the brand new Free To Be Me 40-Day Devotional where Betty shares the challenges, victories, and insights God gave her while struggling through fear and insecurity. You'll also receive Betty's book, Free To Be Me. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request Life's Inspirational Coffee Mug Set, featuring encouraging quotes and scripture to brighten your mornings for years to come. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well, and request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel by the painter of light, Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, Betty and I just say thanks from the bottom of our heart for your help. Uh, I know if you can drill a well, you will. I know you'll pray about it and try to, if it's a challenge. If you would like to have not only Betty's, uh, uh, basically her life story and then the book of her journaling and her journey at just a 40-day devotional, uh, we'll also send you uh, Mike Huckabee's book that's just now gone into the bookstores, destined to be another bestseller, and I think he'll give us some common sense uh, so we can really correct our perilous course. Join Betty and me and send thanks to Governor Huckabee. <laughs> Governor, Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Betty.
there towards the end. Next week, in the hit shows The Bachelorette and then The Bachelor, Sean Lowe held strong to his Christian values and soon became America's favorite bachelor. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.